Good morning, and grace and peace to you. If you want to turn to 1 Timothy 2, uh, got your little bookmarker there, or had remembered from the bulletin. As Mike said, we're going to follow a different format this morning. If you've been with us way back, I guess it's been over six months ago on The first Sunday night of every month, we used to have a prayer assembly in which all the brothers who wanted to pray would lead prayer. You believe in prayer, you need to pray, and there's nothing in Scripture that says there should only be one prayer in a a church service. So uh, we're going to follow that format basically this morning. Uh, We were talking about this in our last ministry meeting, uh, particularly with all the the troubles going on in the world, uh, you know, the, the bucket of troubles, if you will, is, there's always something in the bucket, but it seems like now these days there's a, the bucket is really full with all kind of problems out there. We've talked about some of them in our lessons and also considering the election that's coming up and, uh, you know, the COVID thing and uh, all the other problems in the world that we would devote an assembly to prayer, to call out to our God, to come down, as it were, and change things. Uh, I don't know if you have a definition for prayer, and it's a very broad, very broad topic, because in prayer there's a lot of things happen, and there's praise, there's thanksgiving, and so forth and so on. But prayer is the specific solicitation of God for him to intervene in the affairs of men. We're to pray believing that God will do something. That God will change things. And if you don't believe that, the question is why pray? Why bother to pray if you don't think God is going to intervene in some way? And you can read it all through the scriptures where he intervenes in the affairs of men to change things, to cause things to happen. I always think of Hezekiah. And, uh, when the uh, Assyrians came down, they had Jerusalem surrounded, and Hezekiah goes to God and says, spread out the letter there from, I think it was from the Rabshakeh. And he says, what are we going to do? We can't fight these guys. And God says, I'll take care of it. And the angel came that night, and what was it, 185,000 died that night, and they were, they were rescued. And again, we, we tend to think, well, that was just Bible times. That was just for those people. But there's nowhere in Scripture that says that's, a tr- that's the case, that that stops. God suddenly stopped answering prayers. There's nothing in Scripture to say that. We're urged, Jesus over and over again says, pray believing. With God, all things are possible, right? Those are words for us today. And so we want to pray this morning. I'm going to work my way here through the first eight verses in 1 Timothy 2, some thoughts on prayer. There's, you know, thoughts on prayer throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament alike. But I chose this one because this has some specific thoughts about Uh, those in authority, okay, as we look at the election and things happening in Washington right now and so forth and so on. 
Paul says, first of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. And you notice my lesson, I have the, the title of my lesson says, Pray Big, Pray Small. So if we tend to overlook the, what's written there in that first verse, pray for all men. Where does that start? You know, you, I guess we talk about those who are in power or those who are the rich or those who are privileged all the way down to the lowest person, the poor. Uh, we're to pray for all men, uh, all out there that are within our, our circle, if you will, uh, Family and friends, neighbors, brothers and sisters. I got, you know, we, we could, you could have two arms length of prayers here. Uh, police, fire, clerks, mechanic, guy that works on your car. Do you ever pray he'll do a good job? Do you ever think to do that? That he'll do it right the first time, won't overcharge you? The doctor, he's got the scalpel. Hey, I hope he does a good job. We're asking God to help people do things to, for him to intervene. Farmers, grocery, we were looking at a thing on TV the other day about farmers. Incredible what they can do now with land and the equipment they have. But they need our prayers, always, so that they have good uh, weather conditions, you know, rain, and so forth and so on. I don't know if we should pray for the insurance guy or the used car salesman. Uh, maybe yes, you know, some, you know, we get questionable about some of these things, but you know, if you buy a used car, you want him to give you a good deal, right? Or her. So you pray, you pray. Paul mentions there, Entreaties, prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving, that gives you kind of the, the run about prayer. There are all different things happen there. Uh, we're thankful to God for people who do good things in our lives. But, uh, again, going back to the auto mechanic, that he did do a good job. Do we thank God for that? We thank God that there is food on the shelves? You know, some places... There isn't food on the shelves. You know, we could go on and on. We could make this a long lesson, but we're not going to do that. But consider these things. Consider these things. These are Paul's words to us about prayer, that these things should be made on behalf of all men, all people. Kings and all who are in authority. Pray big. Presidents, prime ministers, premiers, governors, mayors, senators and congressmen, judges, generals, admirals, professors, CEOs of companies, on and on and on we can go. The, those who have authority, that they might exercise that authority in the right way for the good, according to the will of God. They need guidance. Many of them 
don't have God and they're just flailing around uh, doing things for their own self-interest and to maintain power. We want God to intervene with them, don't we? To change your mind, change your ways. Let's turn back to Proverbs 21.1. I love this verse. And, I, and uh, it's a good one to remember, and then we're going to couple it with the one from Ezra. Proverbs 21.1. The king's heart, okay, you could read president or prime minister or the mayor or governor or whatever, is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. You got to believe that. Now I know he gives us free will, okay, and I'm not going to get into that, how does God work this out when people have given free will, but God still gets what he wants. But he can do it. He can do it, and he does it, and he does it all the time. So, this is what we need to pray. When we see someone in authority going the wrong direction, God change this person's heart, change their mind, get them to do what's right. It's, it's amazing what God can do. He can do these things. Now if we flip back to Ezra 6, here's an example of that actually happening. This was uh, on a return from the exile when the uh, Jews were in uh, Babylon. They'd been taken there, but then they were allowed to come back because of Cyrus. And uh, Ezra led one of the groups that came back. And uh, here's his thought here on this return journey in Ezra 6.22. He says, And they observed the feast of unleavened bread seven days with joy, for the Lord had caused them to rejoice. You know, this is a difficult time. They're just coming back into their land. Their land's been devastated. Nehemiah's down there trying to rebuild the wall. You know, it's, it's not anything like it used to be. The temple was in ruins, and they had to rebuild that. But here they're rejoicing. Why? Because they have their God. They've been freed from captivity. They're on the way back. Things are looking up, okay? The Lord had caused them to rejoice and notice the next phrase, and had turned the heart of the king of Assyria toward them to encourage them in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. You see? God had done that to give them favor in the sight of the king of Assyria so they might come back and rebuild God's house. So God's done it, and he can still do it. So your prayers can make a difference in world affairs. Did you ever think about that? They can. All right, so... Latter part of verse 2, he wants us to lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Uh, you know, when the leaders use their authority wisely, they maintain law and order, we can do that. Because this is what God wants for people. He doesn't want us to be in upheaval all the time and worried and not knowing what's going to happen. Somebody's going to break into your property or you can't go out on the street. That's not the way God designed things and that's not... Uh, and he set uh, the authorities in place to control. 
those who would break the law. We read that in Romans 13. Okay, we've got to move on. Verse 3. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now the salvation of God now comes into view uh, for all people. This is the will of God. That all men or people should be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. This is a legitimate prayer for us to pray for the lost. That they would come to a knowledge of truth. They would come to their senses and see the truth, see who Jesus is, and be saved. And You know, Paul's putting all this together in one place, and I think he's saying is when, when there's tranquility and law and order, the gospel thrives. Now, we know the gospel can thrive when there's opposition and persecution. We know that as well. But if you think about in, uh, let's say, North Korea now, or, or communist China, they're very repressive toward the gospel and the church. And it's difficult for those people to, to worship, to spread the gospel, because, wow, as soon as you say something, as soon as you get together, well, man, you're, you're smacked into prison. They're, they're right on your tail. And uh, it just makes it much more difficult. And, you know, that kind of thing puts fear in people's hearts. And fear, you know, and fear, you kind of turn inward and say, well, I've got to just protect myself. And so you, do, you don't want to do anything, you know, even if it looks good, to upset, you know, your own personal safety. So I think that's why he's got this in here in this whole, whole conversation with praying for kings and all those who are in authority. But going back to the idea that he wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth, again, your prayers can make a difference in eternity about who will be saved and see that new heavens and new earth. Your prayers can affect that. This is something we have to believe. All right, verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying as a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Paul notes here, this is why Jesus came. It, it all flows together. We pray for the salvation of men. Why? Well, because Jesus came, he, he came and became the mediator of a new covenant. He came to save us. You know, if, if we're not working and praying to save people and spread the gospel, we're kind of wasting the cross. I had a lesson several years ago titled that. We're just wasting the gospel if we're not trying to spread it and pray for the salvation of people. If we're just sitting around on a pew and that's all we do. If we don't care about the lost. We're wasting what Jesus did. A better covenant, a new covenant. 
a covenant of grace, the true forgiveness of sins. He's now high priest. He's our advocate and so forth and so on. And he mediates and intercedes in our prayers. That's why we pray in his name. Because he is now our go-between, our advocate with God. And Paul then affirms in verse 7 his own, his own calling. And he's saying, this is why I was called to do this. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing as an apostle and a preacher and so forth of this gospel that God wants all men to be saved. He wants to emphasize the need to advance God's kingdom. That this is really what it's about. Spreading the word of God. So then verse 8, to wrap it up. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. You know, these are instructions to Timothy there, who was to set some things in order in Ephesus. And here I think he's really talking about in the assembly when the men lead prayer, that they're the ones who are to pray. Lifting up holy hands, that was a uh, practice of the Jews. They used to do that all the time when they prayed, and I don't see any problem with anybody doing that today. There's, What's the problem? We're, we're entreating God. We're looking up to Him. This is not to say that women don't pray. They just don't lead in the assembly. We can all have our prayers at any time. Paul wrote in Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Pray all the time. Pray anytime. Pray about all things. You know, this is what he's talking about. Without wrath and dissension. I think there he's talking about an undivided and whole, a heart undivided and wholly devoted to God. This leads to faith and love for God. You're totally focused on God and the things of God when you pray. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 14 about praying with the Spirit and with the understanding, praying with the whole inner person, not just, you know, repeating words or saying words that sound good, but truly to pray from the heart with that passion, with that desire for God and God's things. So we encourage you, not just in this time, but always to pray big, pray small, Take a look at this passage of Scripture again, and may it remind you of the things of prayer that we talked about, and maybe bring to your mind other things. Now, encourage our, our brothers this morning to lead us in prayer, to pray with the Spirit, pray with the understanding. And Brother Don is going to lead us in prayer to begin. Thank you for listening today. For more from Jeff Kent and the Shadyside Church of Christ, please go to our website at cofcshadyside.com. There you can access our entire library of Sunday church lessons and Jeff's weekly blog. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Shadyside Church of Christ. Remember, all are welcome. Thanks again. Have a blessed week.